As organizations ask people to collaborate more and more across virtual teams, both internally and externally, many of us find ourselves reporting to lots of different people. On today's show, how to balance it all and focus in the right places when working with multiple bosses. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 140. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. This is a weekly coaching show to help us all be better leaders through improved communication, human relations, and personal productivity, the people side of business. And with everything we do in trying to work hard to be productive for others, for our organizations, and for ourselves, it requires every single one of us to be accountable to stakeholders. And those stakeholders may be in the form of a boss, direct manager, maybe a dotted line relationship to someone. It may be our customer, clients, peers. And of course, we all have stakeholders personally too. And so one of the topics that has been mentioned to me several times in the recent past is how the world has changed and how we are all being expected to manage a lot more stakeholders and in many cases manage working with or working for, depending on the terminology used, multiple bosses. And so I am so thrilled today to be able to welcome to the show a good friend of mine and someone that I've had the privilege of being able to work with over the last couple of years, and that is Eric Ruckel. Eric was formerly the Director of Integrated Strategies with Dale Carnegie and Associates, and you all know that I have an association with Dale Carnegie, and Eric and I worked together on a fairly large project over the last couple of years where we talked on a fairly regular basis, even though we're in different states. And Eric is just so brilliant on strategy and being able to work with different stakeholders uh, and a wonderful example of the Dale Carnegie principles that are taught from the organization. And he has moved on to a new position with AdBay where he is heading up strategy and is also a project manager. Another role where he is managing a lot of different relationships, has multiple stakeholders involved, and he's also finding a little bit of time to do some consulting to help companies figure out who they are best and help them to be that uh, that best organization that they can be. Eric, I am so thrilled that you're here. Welcome to Coaching for Leaders. Thank you very much, Dave. I appreciate the invitation. I'm honored to be a part of it. Oh, me too. And I, I am just uh, selfishly so glad to be able to spend some time with you because I always just value your perspective and how thoughtful you are about thinking about all the different parties involved in a situation in a situation or in a in a conflict or in a strategy and I, I just think you're really brilliant at doing that and um and that's why I wanted to have you join me for the show and uh, talk a little bit about this and how you do it and some of the uh, some of the tools you use but I thought maybe we should start off by just talking a little bit about the how the world has changed. You know, in the old days, it seemed like everyone had one boss if you worked in an organization and you reported to that person and your job was kind of just to keep that person happy. And the world seems to have changed in a lot of 
places like that. I, at least I've known this that not only for myself, but with clients that we work with. Have, have you noticed that as well? I, I certainly have. Uh, there are, there are definitely pockets of places where it, it's still very hierarchical and, and certainly there's a, I think there's a psychology that's still hierarchical when, when I report to a person and they control my compensation or they control my future or my career in some way, shape or form, they, they, they have a lot of power over a person. Um, but uh, I guess the way I think about it is the world's become a lot more of a, a matrix setup uh, where you are now accountable to a lot of people other than that formal boss. You know, we're, we're accountable to customers. We're accountable to other managers, sometimes inside an organization. Uh, we're accountable to someone who's leading a project, whether they're in management or not. Um, I personally have always found myself to be very accountable to uh, people who are on the team. You know, they have a lot of expectations of me, and in, in some cases, those are more powerful than those of, of what you might consider a formal manager. Um, but uh, yeah, I would very much agree that that, that matrix um, pressure is, is on a lot of us more these days than it has been in the past. It seems like to me, and I don't know if this has been your experience too, Eric, it just about any time I sit down with someone these days and I ask them to give a thumbnail sketch of their organization, if I'm not already familiar with it, they'll uh, if they pull out an org chart, it looks really complicated. And, and they often will use the term, well, they'll say, okay, well, this person I kind of work for, and here's my dotted line to this person, and then here's a dotted line there. And it, and it really seems like even from just like org charts are now looking so much more matrixed as far as how we all interact. Yeah, I, I very much agree. And, and even in the organizations where they are hierarchical uh, or that traditional tree waterfall process, uh, even in those organizations, I, I find if I ask a question like, you know, who do you have to report to? The, they'll usually, people will usually answer the first level of reporting, which is here's my boss. And if you say, who else do you report to? they suddenly start giving a much longer list of, of the people that they have to keep happy whenever they're working on a job or a task or a project. And you and I have both worked in organizations and on projects too, where in many cases, I shouldn't say in many cases, but I've, I've seen a lot of cases where people don't even have a regular relationship with the person they directly report to that a lot of the deliverables and the people who end up influencing decisions about a person's career and movement forward, even are the customer or peers or other stakeholders, even more so than the direct manager in some cases. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a pretty fascinating little bit of, of almost individual psychology or organizational psychology, because I think all of us want to have um, a certain amount of autonomy and we want to have control over our jobs so that we can do things that, that we're good at, that we're passionate about. And yet at the same time, we want some reassurance from the person that we report to that we are doing a good job and we're on track and that we're recognized. Um, so finding that balance between the two, I think, can be very challenging for people. And if anything, what, what you caused me to just think of, Dave, is the fact that sometimes we, we almost force our bosses to do things in relationship with us that they, they don't necessarily want to do. Um, and, and part of, I think, working well inside these multiple boss type relationships is, is not necessarily um, expecting the bosses to do certain things or the people who try to hold you accountable or the people you report to, but having a very clear picture on your own of, 
here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm working on. And here's how I work with the people that, that I report to you and really setting more of a course for yourself as opposed to that coming from your boss. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that I, I think I know what you mean, but I'm wondering if maybe you could uh, give an example of that because I, I think that's a really interesting point is just changing the mindset of how we interact with a boss or a manager in, in today's environment. Yeah, you know, I, I can give you a, a very current example. You know, you mentioned that I, I fairly recently took over a new role. And uh, for those of you who are listening who, who have gone through this process anytime recently, you, it would be very fresh in your memory. You're looking for a certain amount of affirmation. And, and I find myself looking for that from the owner of our firm. And at the same time, uh, I don't want to ask him for permission too often or ask him his opinion too often because uh, on the one hand, I want to appear confident, uh, right? Uh, but on the other hand, I also don't want to get him in the habit of feeling like I'm going to come to him for his advice or that I'm going to come to him for direction because I want him to trust me to make decisions. That's part of what gives me autonomy and enjoyment in my job. So it's that balancing act, I think, between uh, getting feedback and guidance both for ourselves personally and to make sure we're on track in a project and then balancing that against the idea that uh, I, I want some feedback, but I don't necessarily want it all that often and I I'm going to take it into consideration, but I'm not necessarily just going to do what you tell me to do. So it's a it's a bit of a balancing act, I think, there that we're always kind of juggling. That's so interesting, Eric. I mean, just how you approach that. It seems like a really smart, strategic thing to do, and and that is the kind of thing that strikes me that didn't happen as much a generation ago. That the workplace in a lot of organizations has changed. And I know there are people listening to say, well, that's not my boss at all. They would never let me do that. Um, but that is starting to become more and more the norm where that appropriate level of autonomy is starting to be recognized in organizations. And yet I think in a lot of cases, Eric, uh, that it's a lot of times the person who's the the employee or the direct report that's maybe not taking as much advantage of that as the manager or the boss would want them to. Yeah, I would agree with that. The, 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 the line of thinking that had a serious impact on me over the course of the last couple of years um, came from not just conversations I was having, things I was seeing in the marketplace, but, but some books that I read. Um, uh, one of them is called the, the Startup of You, and it's written by the, the person who started LinkedIn, uh, which has a great brand name for a lot of people who are probably listening. And it talked about this shift that's happened, and I think it affects our, 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 our thinking as, as individuals. And in a nutshell, one of the things that it, it mentioned is the fact that our, our careers, those of us who are, are moving forward on a daily basis, um, our careers are probably not going to be straight-line careers like they used to be. It used to be the case that you would hire into a company and you'd work there for 30 or 40 years and then you'd retire at that company. And we all know that's fairly rare these days. So in this new um, way of working, there's instead the idea that I may work for a company and I may work for a person, but ultimately the person I have to believe that I work for is I work for myself. Even if I plan on working at a company for another 20 or 30 years, I have to work for myself first and foremost. So that gives that shift in thinking. What I find is it, it for, my, for me, it helps me retain more control, even if I have to report very closely to 
someone who manages me, which you very well know, Dave, some of the projects I've worked on, I've, I've had to be managed fairly closely because there were people who wanted to know what was going on and they wanted to have insight into it. They might even want to put their own stamp on it. But even in those situations, um, if you have the mentality um, of working for yourself, I am my own boss on this and I'm reporting to a variety of other people. In a sense, what it does is it gives you an additional boss you're reporting to. In addition to reporting to my functional manager, reporting to my independent project team lead, in addition to reporting to my customers and my coworkers and people who are on the team, the person I report to first and foremost is me. I report to myself. I know the term of being an intrapreneur is a term that's being used a lot these days, and I really like that thinking, Eric, as far as just how to look at how you know we think of entrepreneurs, of course, as going out and starting new businesses and making a lot of decisions and taking risks, but also that you don't have to go out and start a firm in order to do that, that you can find ways to be entrepreneurial within your organization and within your firm. And my my experience has been more often than not, Eric, both in my own career and with the people I've worked with and worked for over the years is that people want to see that more. They want to really have their employees come to them with new ideas to challenge the status quo, to suggest new things that the company hasn't thought about before the organization wouldn't normally try. And then a lot of times that that kind of thinking and that the orientation is really valuable. You, you make me think of, of again, a, an interesting balancing act because when you say uh, companies want their employees to be coming with new ideas and they want them to think for themselves, um, I think it's, uh, it, it's true to a certain degree and it's also fairly challenging because uh, I imagine a lot of the people I've worked with over the years found me fairly frustrating at times because I did think for myself and I did come up with challenging ideas and I did challenge the status quo to a certain degree. So on the one hand, I think companies and managers say they want employees who think for themselves and, and they're innovative and, and they take control and it creates a certain amount of what I think is healthy tension if you do it well. Um, but again, there's that balancing act between being able to be successful and, and be uh, good at what you do and being conscious enough of what your manager or the various bosses you have to report to, what do they need from you uh, in order to be successful themselves? And, and so I think being able to drive that balance, if you think of it that way, what do I do to be successful if I'm reporting to myself? What do I do to give the other bosses I report to what they need? If you think about it that way, it's just a very different mindset than what did my boss tell me that she wants or what did this boss tell me that he expects from me? You, you, you take a little bit more control, if nothing else, just in the way you think. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because what people say and espouse is sometimes different than what actually they want in practice. Every organization says they want a team of leaders in reality. Not every organization really does want people to lead. They want people to follow direction, as you and I have both run into before. Um, so part of that part of that art is kind of getting a sense of what your organization says, but what is also the kind of things they really want, and then how do you artfully navigate that? Um, and that's that actually brings me to something I really wanted to ask you about, Eric, which is, you know, you um, you strike me, and I you and I were together back a few months ago, and spent a couple of days together going to see clients and doing 
customer interactions. And I was really impressed with just how you seem to balance it all and, and connect with people and handle situations. And I'm just kind of curious, you know, what do you do as far as how you prioritize? Uh, is there a structure you use or just a decision-making process you use as far as, you know, when, you've, when you're getting requests from three or four or five different people, how you make decisions about what's important to spend time on and how much time and who to connect with first? Well, it's, it, it's always challenges and I, as I'm sure your listeners know, because they're, they're always juggling these things too. Uh, for myself, uh, it, it first of all makes a, a massive difference for me that I, I've made a shift in my thinking where I don't believe that I ever work for someone. I, I've actually removed that terminology from my personal lexicon. I, I had a good friend hit me over the head with that one. So I, I may say that I report to someone, um, but I, I, I cannot even use the word boss because I, I don't work for a certain manager or a certain person. Um, they're one of the people that I report to. And, and what that causes me to do, first of all, is it, it removes that power from the equation because I'll otherwise skew things. The, the shift that I make is, is that um, I look at there being a focal point on any, any project, and usually the project is the focal point. So as an example, if, if um, one of your listeners is, is working on a particular project and there's either a project lead or a manager who's involved with that, there can be the tendency to think I work for the project lead or I work for the manager what I do is I actually shift my thinking. I don't work for either of those people. I work for the project. So what it allows me to do in any situation is to ask uh, what would be the best decision or what would be the best next step for the project itself. Mm. So once, once I've done that, then that helps me to figure out what the next step is or what I need to do. And then the follow-up question to that is, and I'm sure your listeners know this one too, is now I know what I need to do now I have to ask myself, how do I get that done given all the various people that I actually have to report to or the people who might be involved? Mm, yeah. And and that is that actually brings us to another topic here, which is, okay, how do we manage when different expectations, um, and you and I have been involved in some interesting situations over the last couple of years where you know we were working on projects together and there were multiple stakeholders involved and everyone generally wanted the same thing. But the stakeholders all had different ideas on how to get there. And, you know, when you have that situation happen, when everyone has a different opinion on where to go, what's the starting point for you as far as how to handle that conflict or that disagreement when that comes up and and ways to start to navigate that? I I heard someone say something very simple uh, ages back. And, and the comment comes back to me, it's, uh, you know, you start with the end in mind. It's so simple, we don't even remember who first said Oh, Stephen Covey. Um, so I start with, uh, what is it I want to have happen on this? And, and again, I, I center that on the project. You know, what, what's the end result I want to see for this project? And um, one of the things that I begin to do, and, and you've been instrumental in helping me do this on a number of projects, Dave, one of the things I then do is I start sharing that vision, so to speak, with the other people who are involved on the project. And, and I say almost exactly what I, I just did a few seconds ago, and that is, here's what I see wanting to have happen on this project, or here's what I'm thinking I want to have happen on this project. 
what do you think about that? So I'm, what I'm doing is I'm building a certain amount of credibility with the various stakeholders by talking to them about their goals for the project, but I'm, I'm never necessarily giving them control of the project because I'm, I'm holding on to that. I'm saying, here's, here's where I want to see this go. What do you think? I take their, their opinions and I, I do that genuinely because they may have a perspective on the project that I should have. You know, maybe they tell me a way I should adjust my strategy or someplace where I'm off track. Um, and, and what that does also hopefully is it, it builds the impression of me as being credible. Um, one of the books, another book that I read that had a huge impact on me was a book called so good. They can't ignore you. And in that book, it talked about similar ideas. You're not working for someone other than yourself. You report first and foremost to yourself. And, and the best way to have job security, the best way, best way to be successful overall is to be so good at what you do that it creates leverage points for you. And, and so again, this tailors to each person who's going through it. But for myself, what I find is um, over the years, I've, I've been put in so many situations where I had to be able to talk to a lot of people, get their opinions, and then decide for myself what direction I was going to go. Um, that that focus on here's where I want the project to get to go. What do you think about that? Getting enough information, each one that I can kind of find a way to navigate through the minefield and then using that as the focal point. Um, maybe it creates a bit of a balance also in the relationship um, because then it's not about me. It's about the project and where we want to see the project go. So it's really taking that broader, nobler perspective of here's what we all want, here's what we all agree on, and the personality, the agreements, the disagreements, who's right, who's wrong, that becomes much more of a secondary focus, if a focus at all. So I think what I'm hearing you say is to get your mindset there first and then to help really paint that vision for others of where are we going beginning with that end in mind so that it orients people to like, okay, let's solve the problem versus talking about who's, whose way is the right way to do it or who's right or wrong. Absolutely. Uh, one example from, from my current position, um, we have a project that there, we're working on. Um, I was working on it this morning before this conversation. And we have a, a certain agreement with the, the customer. They've allocated a certain amount of budget to the project. Um, as I've begun assembling the various team members who are going to be working on the project, each one of them has their own picture for how we could or should do this. Mm -hmm. And no one's going to be happy with everything we come up with. We're going to make a variety of compromises. And one of the biggest compromises is we're limited from the beginning by the amount of budget that the customers devoted to this. So if I make it about what you want to see and what you want to see, then everybody's really going to end up unhappy. But if I make it instead, and, and what I'm trying to make it about is we're, we have certain constraints that we start with. And our goal, my goal for this project is to put out as good a quality as we can that we can all live with and be proud of within the constraint we have on budget. And so I keep using that as a mantra as I talk to people in order to manage their expectations. And through that whole process, I'm continuing to get information from each one of them and that management process is exactly the same, whether there are people who are on my team, a customer that I'm going to have to report to, uh, the owner of our firm that I'm eventually going to have to report to about my decisions, 
you know, it, it's the same process regardless of who I'm talking to, which makes it much easier for me too. I don't have to worry about doing different things for different people. It's amazing to me, Eric, how much we keep coming back to this focus of the importance of having a clear vision anytime we talk about leading anything. And uh, as many times as we've mentioned it on the show, it just keeps coming back of that that phrase from Stephen Covey, a beginning with the end in mind. And mm-hmm. if we stay centered there, it doesn't mean it's easy, but it is certainly um, clear on where we're going and the perspective and to help align people to get headed in that direction. Well, I've had a few instances in my life that, that have been incredibly pleasant surprises that I did not plan for. And my wife is one of them. My kids are, are additional ones, but I tend to find on projects and in my career, the, the surprises have usually not been pleasant if I didn't plan for them. Um, so I, I find on projects that it is, it is good to err on the side of at least having a goal in mind, but still, as I said, being flexible with it. I may have a picture for what I want to do on a project, and as I talk to the various people I report to on that project, they may have compelling reasons why I should change my picture and change my vision, and I do think people respect that. They take that as a sign of competence also if you're not so stuck in your line of thinking that you're not listening to anyone else on the project. Um, and, and what I found at least is with people that I report to inside an organization, people have signed my paychecks and my evaluations that that gives them the ability to give me more responsibility because they know I'm going to ask questions at key times, make sure I'm on track. I'm not going to do anything to make them look bad. Um, so I, I think you can make all the people happy more by having a plan in mind than you can by just trying to do the best job you can every day. I love it. I love it. Good, good advice. Okay, so one of the things I'm, uh, I'm curious about here is, you know, you've really developed, uh, I, I think, Eric, a really healthy perspective on this of, okay, um, here's my role within the organization, and here's the perspective of working for myself, of, of having myself be a boss as well, too, and reporting to myself. And so uh, you've mentioned a bunch of books you've read. I, I'm curious what you've done for yourself to move your mindset into this perspective of working for yourself, of being an entrepreneur. Um, how, how have you done that? Is there been a couple, is there been wisdom someone's given to you or, or books or things that you've read that have been helpful around that? It's, it's a thought-provoking question, which you know me well enough to know. I, I don't have many thoughts provoked on a daily basis. Um, <laughs> oh, I, would say, I would say two <laughs> things come to mind. Um, one is that I have, and, and you know my, my career history, you know that I've moved even when I was inside an organization for many years. I, I shifted positions within that organization on a fairly regular basis, at typically about every two years. And my last couple of formal positions, I've also moved every couple of years. And I, I certainly wouldn't say that, that a person needs to leave their company or leave their job in order to get that kind of um, instability, productive instability, I guess I, I might call it. But I think there's something to be said for taking on new challenges, not just because it causes you to grow, but it removes that sense of false security. If you show up every day to do a job, you, you get this sense that you have job security, at least I did. And, and then you're more and more reluctant to do anything that might jeopardize that. And if you read any book on what's taking place in, in the employment market these days or in the marketplace in general, 
um, they will tell you that that if you have a sense of job security, unless you're a highly specialized, very technical person, um, job security is not what it used to be. So first of all, for me, I think what I did was just based on the positions I took and the projects I accepted, I was constantly doing something that made me change my mentality enough and add to my skill sets enough that I, I was more excited about the opportunities than I was afraid of the risk I was taking. Hmm. And the second thing that, that comes to mind is that I have um, been very vocal and, and it's not always easy, but I've been very vocal in talking with people who know me well that I want negative feedback and not because I want them to criticize me or I want them to tell me you know, all the bad things about myself, but it's very easy to surround yourself with people who tell you how great you are. And, and I've certainly done that as much as anyone has over my lifetime. But if I can regularly get in the habit of asking people, you know, what holes are there in this idea? Where could this go wrong? What could cause this project to derail? How could I go down a deep, dark hole that I don't want to go down on this? What, what could I do to avoid all those things? Um, it kind of follows that same logic where I'm, I'm getting myself used to the idea that something could go wrong. And I think the more we're prepared for that, you know, there is a great Dale Carnegie mantra that you, you prepare for the worst. Um, and then you're surprised by anything better. Mm, But if you, if you do that, and I, I find myself doing that as much as I possibly can, but I have to be really vocal about it because I think it's human nature not to do it. We, we want to surround ourselves with people who tell us how wonderful we are and what all the great ideas are on a project. But to give you a very tangible answer as an example, when I send out an idea on a project or a next step to a customer or to someone I report to, usually I will ask them um, for thoughts in general and then specifically I'll give them a couple of questions that almost force them to tell me what's wrong with the idea. And they're questions like what's missing, what might we've overlooked, uh, what other ideas do you have that are different than the ones that we put down in order to prime the pump so they don't just look at something and say, this is good. Mm, yeah, I have. I, I recall you doing that uh, when we've worked together on projects before. And uh, you, you have a way of doing that in a way that's very conversational and disarming. Um, and And now looking back, when you said that, I like, yeah, that is a really good way to get some more honest dialogue going of what is it that I'm missing or what is it that maybe doesn't make sense here. And uh, I know I've said that to you before of like, you know, you're missing the boat on this, this particular area. And it, it's been really helpful for and both it, of us. And it is so much better to find out that you're missing the boat on something to, to use the metaphor before you're floating in the water. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like, yeah. um, I interviewed Rich Sheridan, uh, on the show several months ago and I, they have a mantra in their company of fail faster. <laughs> so yeah. if, you know, we're going to make mistakes, let's just do it quicker so that we get it out there and we can move on to doing it the way that it needs to be done correctly. It's a great mantra. I, I love your quote, by the way, too, of, um, removing, I've, I, I'm not going to get it exactly the way you said it, but removing that false sense of job security, uh, it, it is so true how we, if we do something for a long period of time, we just assume that it's going to, or we're more likely to assume that it's going to be there forever, or that the, that customer is going to be there forever, or that job's going to be there forever. And it, it really is a, a false sense of security, and a, it's 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 a great perspective on that. And and certainly, given your your connection to Dale Carnegie and, and my connection to Dale Carnegie. I think it's worth saying the other thing that goes along with that is, is that um, part of 
what what I look at when I say I report to myself, if if I were my own boss, you know, I would look at it and say, does it pass the jerk test? Right? So am I a person that other people like to work with? Mm. Am I moving the project forward? Am I making progress on a regular basis? Am I staying within all the constraints that I have? Am I exceeding expectations? All those things that we look at. And at the same time, uh, am I not a jerk to work with? Because I think we could very easily move away from job security and say, well, I'm not going to worry about this. And we could move into that that bad attitude quadrant, which would damage the very fabric of everything you're trying to do in your career. So uh, I wouldn't overlook that idea of, of being good to work with and, and being good at working with people and having people like you. I just wouldn't make it the first priority because everyone likes the guy who always says yes. And everyone likes the girl who always says your idea is fantastic. So you have to be able to balance those things against each other. All right. So let's finish up here by uh, me taking some of your advice here, which is, uh, let me ask you, what have I not asked you or what am I missing on our conversation that we haven't talked about yet? I can't fix anything. See, I like you already. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe you didn't project manage your marriage. What's wrong with you? Oh, no. That's one of those physician heal thyself things, right? We can <laughs> we can do things in one environment, but not in the other one. That's so funny. It's actually, it's really interesting because when I think about vision and intentionality, uh, uh, Bonnie and I in our marriage is one of the things that, that come to mind first. So uh, you and I have, have a really different experience on that, which is cool. So we'll have to, we'll have to <laughs> that's a topic for another show. We're going to have to talk that through one day because I think that'll be, that'll yeah, be a absolutely. fun conversation. Awesome. Hey, I am really thrilled that you took your time today to provide the perspective and, you know, on a personal note, I'm just so grateful for the leadership you've provided in project management and working with multiple stakeholders. I mean, I've really learned a lot from you over the years. And, and one, uh, one example of that is Eric and I were at, uh, doing some meetings together last year. And um, one of the things that you're really good at doing is in a meeting with a customer, you'll turn to a colleague and say, well, what do you, what do you think we should do about that? You know, just have dialogue right there. And, um, and, and just, you know, that I remember you taught me that, you know, that's a really kind of a neat way for customers to be able to see that, you know, you know, as a team, you work together. And when you're trying to solve a problem that you're willing to have dialogue and willing to talk about ideas, even in front of the customer. And, uh, and I thought that that was really, uh, that was really wise and, you know, in the right situation that really is, uh, useful. And so, yeah, you've done a lot to, to really add value to just how I interact with people. And I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for that. Oh, well, it's, it's mutual. I'm, I'm thrilled to be a part of this and anything I can ever do to help you, you know, I'm there for you, Dave. Always, brother. Hey, uh, thanks for being here. Eric Ruckel is a strategy and project manager at AdBay and uh, formerly with uh, Dale Carnegie. Eric, thank you so much for being here. It's uh, always a pleasure to get to spend time with you. Thank you, Dave. As you heard in our conversation, Eric and I have worked together on a number of projects over the past few years, and I've always appreciated his maturity and his strategy and his leadership. And so I am confident that you'll have gained something from his perspective as well. And my question for all of us this week is, what's one attitude change you could make 
that will help you work with multiple bosses. So many of us are being asked to, if not have multiple bosses, report to all kinds of different people on a regular basis. And so I'm curious what change you might make that will make this a more successful endeavor for you as well. And if you have a thought on that, I hope you'll go over to the show notes and scroll down to the bottom and join the conversation. Eric and I would both love to hear your input and we'd love to hear what uh, other comments and questions and maybe additions to this that you have as well. And the best way to do that is to go to coachingforleaders.com slash 140. That'll take you to the show notes for this episode, number 140, and you can join the conversation. And as always, if you have general comments, questions, or feedback about the show, you know where to go. Coachingforleaders.com slash feedback is the way to do that. And I mention that especially this coming week because it is time for another question and answer show. A whole bunch of folks have written in in the last or or called in in the last week or two. So if you're one of those folks, know that I've got your question and it's going to be hopefully part of next week's episode 141. And I'm still looking for a few more questions for the show. So if you have a question about anything that we've talked about on the show and the recent past or even not so recent past and, and some or if you just have a question specifically around uh, the leadership situation you're in right now uh, your own personal leadership communications human relations skills your own personal productivity if you're looking for resources on something uh, please do feel free to submit that question between now and next week I would love to be able to consider it for the show and if uh, schedules allow hopefully we'll have Bonnie back and uh, we'll both tackle some questions so if you'd like to submit a question the best way to do that is by audio I really love getting audio questions so I can bring your voice into the show I love being able to have the uh, community members' voices here uh, in the show so we can all hear each other, which I think is nice rather than you just hearing me read questions. So if you're up for doing that, the best way to submit an audio question is coachingforleaders.com slash speak. And if you go to that page and and if you're a perfectionist like I am, uh, you can actually record a question. Uh, you can play it back before you submit it. You can erase it if you don't like it. And then you know you can record as many times as you want and then submit it. So uh, hopefully that makes it even easier. So again, coachingforleaders.com slash speak if you would like to submit a question. Hey, I want to say a big thank you this week to a whole bunch of folks who hopped on to the weekly updates. Thank you so much to all the following folks for subscribing to my weekly updates on Wednesdays this week. That includes this week, Roger D., Kristen Espinar, Steve Seiler, Jessica Ray, Tanya Muldrow, Andy Scher, Matthew Apuda, Anders Moeller, Gary Thompson. Thank you also for the question, Gary. Get back to you shortly. Uh, Jeff Luckett, Eric Peralt, Michelle Snelling, Daryl Pitt, Laura Jasso, John Kufer, Chris Hinson, Klaus Hassis, Jeff Festa, Irma Kikvidzi, Irma, hope I got that right, Daniel Mansdorfer, Michael Leib, Iwa Krominska, Krominc- Krominska, I think it is. Iwa, I hope I said that right. I hope I said your first name right too. Um, Michaela Lawrence Jeffrey, Greta Knight, Diana Tanaka, Thomas Toller, and Amber Sterling. Thank you for subscribing to the weekly update this past week. If you'd like to get the weekly update as well, that includes an article from me each week. I do write an article every week 
on a topic related to the show that'll give you another thing to consider that'll help you in your professional and personal development around leadership and communicating with others and your productivity, or at least one of those things. Um, if you'd like to get that as well, just go to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe, and you'll also get the show notes for every episode I air each week. And as a thank you, as soon as you do subscribe, you'll also get instant access to the 10 leadership books that will help you get better results from others, including two of them that I rely on weekly. So to check that out and get the download and the video, uh, again, coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. Hey, I also want to say a really big thank you this week to three people who went on to iTunes and wrote a written review. Uh, thank you so much, Merlin, Phil, and Pete, for taking the time to do that this past week. It really does make a big difference when others can go on and read those reviews. And Merlin had mentioned in his review that he really looks forward to this show each week. And Merlin, you know, I, I really look forward to producing the show. So thank you for saying that. And, you know, like anything that any of us do consistently over a long period of time, you know, our enthusiasm ebbs and flows. And, and certainly that happens to me with this show on occasion. Um, but, you know, I just love being able to open my inbox all the time and get to hear from people all over the world and to get questions and to have dialogue with so many of you who I've not met in person, but we've talked many times. And it's, it's just a great privilege, a great privilege to be able to do that each week. So thank you so much. If you'd like to leave a review as well, uh, coachingforleaders.com slash iTunes or slash Stitcher, depending on which directory you use. Have a great week and talk to you next week for Q&A.